This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And uh, today, I have the great pleasure of uh, interviewing Dr. Glauco Baiocchi, um, who is a director in the Department of Gynecologic Oncology at AC Camargo Cancer Center in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Welcome, Glauco. Well, uh, thank you very much, Pedro, for this a kind of words and invitation. I'm very glad for the opportunity for sharing the results of our study. Well, certainly it is a, it's a pleasure speaking with you. I think this is a great study. Uh, the study that we're going to be talking about today is a study titled Size of Sentinel Lymph Node Metastases Predicts Non-Sentinel Node Involvement in Endometrial Cancer. And uh, this was just recently published in Annals of uh, Surgical Oncology. So, Glauco, first, congratulations. And I wanted to start by having you sort of place uh, the, the topic uh, of your work in the context of what has been published thus far in the literature. And, uh, and also, why did you uh, decide to explore this particular question? Uh, well, Pedro, uh, recently, Sentinel-Lymph node mapping has emerged as an acceptable surgical strategy. Uh, when deciding between uh, completing sodenectomy and no node section, even for high-risk patients. And uh, this approach can help avoid morbidities that are associated with completing sodenectomy, such as uh, lymph cyst formation, uh, neurovascular injury, and lipidema. Uh, additionally, sentinel lymph node mapping allows detecting unusual drainage sites. Uh, that can be overlooked by standard lymph node sections. And uh, there is another benefit in detecting micromass and isolated tumor cells because they might be the only sites of extrauterine spread. Um, however, uh, some issues have not been solved, such as uh, the risk factors for presence of non-sentinel lymph node metastases in case of positive sentinel lymph nodes. And uh, in our study, uh, we aimed to analyze the relationship within, between the size of uh, metastatic uh, sentinel lymph nodes and uh, the risk of non-sentinel lymph node metastasis in endometrial cancer. Yeah, so the, obviously it, it's sort of going one step further, asking whether the size of the metastases impacts uh, metastases somewhere else. So can you tell us about your uh, the study design and, and what were some of the inclusion and exclusion criteria for the study? Well, uh, we, we've analyzed a series of uh, 328 patients uh, who were treated uh, for endometrial cancer from January uh, 2013 to April 2019 in our center. And all patients uh, underwent technology node mapping as part of the surgical staging. Uh, and uh, 145 on the way uh, sentinel node mapping without systematic node uh, section, and uh, 142 uh, did uh, the sentinel node mapping uh, with self plus minus uh, para or systematic uh, and uh, ultimately, uh, patients with a systematic lymphonectomy were included in the analysis of the non-sentinel node metastasis. I see, and. Um as I look at the um, some of just uh, the overview, uh, particularly uh, looking at the data that was presented in the abstract, um, this is something that always comes up, you know, and, and certainly I think it also depends as to when was the time frame of evaluation. But, you know, some might be potentially critical of the rates of bilateral uh, sentinel lymph node detection in the study. 
um, recorded as 66.2%. Um, what, what would be your comments uh, regarding the reason for the rate of uh, bilateral central lymph nodes being 66%? Um, the overall uh, detection rate was 87.6%, and uh, the bilateral detection rate was 66.2%. Uh, uh, we uh, used uh, the, the blue dye in 82% of cases, and uh, in just 18% of cases, we used ICG. And uh, the, the bilateral detection rate for blue dye was 60.8%, and for ICG was uh, 91.5%. Um, uh, regarding the bilateral detection rate, uh, I think uh, it's similar to other studies of this kind with blue dye. Um, for example, uh, we published data from Memorial Blue Cancer Scattering, uh, Barlin, and another publication from uh, Arison. Uh, they reported uh, bilateral detection rates of uh, 51% and 54% respectively, uh, when they use only blue dye. Um, furthermore, um, from French studies, Pendiendo, uh, even adding a technician to blue dye, they found a bilateral detection rate of 69%. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, it's similar to the, the other results from the literature. And um, it's, uh, I'll note, uh, our detection rates also uh, progressively increased during time uh, due to the learning curve and, uh, and uh, more recently uh, due to ICG. Yeah, and, and you did mention, obviously, that um, as with most series, initially it was blue dye and uh, sometimes blue dye and technetium combination, and most recently is uh, with ICG. Um, and, and certainly most of the series, as you mentioned, show that ICG is uh, associated with a higher rate of uh, bilateral detection, most likely not just because of the ICG, but also because of the fact that it reflects more experience by, by the surgeons. Um, and just to clarify, in your institution today, are you still using both blue dye in some cases and ICG in some cases, or now strictly ICG? Uh, well, uh, I'm uh, obviously, uh, a better detection rates are expected for ICG compared to blue dye. Uh, we started our lymph node mapping uh, protocol in 2013 with only blue dye, and uh, we had uh, uh, ICG available in our institution and the fluorescent devices for the robotic platform since for the robotic platform since uh, 2018 and for laparoscopy just uh, since 2019. So uh, the time frame is very important too. Um, and uh, in literature, it's clear that ICG has higher uh, detection rates than blue dye, as, as I said, and uh, it's similar to our results now. Um, currently, we use mainly the ICG, the Indocinian green, for sentinel lymph node mapping, and uh, only use blue dye when the patient has confirmed allergy to iodine. We now do not use both. I we see. just use the ICG. Okay. Yeah. And, and Glago, before we get into some of the results, I wanted to also address another question on the technique. Um, and I saw you reported using the injection in the cervix at 3 and 9 o'clock. And um, others have reported using a four-quadrant uh, technique. Um, my, my question was just, do, do you think it makes a difference as to whether you inject at 3 and 9 versus the four-quadrant technique? with regards to your success rate in finding the sentinel lymph nodes? 
Um, uh, well, I think that three and nine o'clock injections are sufficient and uh, have similar results to four quadrant techniques. Uh, I think that the main concern here should be the marker use, as we talked about. And uh, during the injection, the speed and uh, the stromal resistance uh, we, we, we feel during injection. Um, I think that the three and nine o'clock injections are, 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 are the same as four quadrants. Okay. So obviously you aimed uh, to determine whether the size of the metastases in the sentinel lymph nodes was associated with non-sentinel lymph node metastases. What were the results of your study? Well, uh, we unitumatically included uh, 142 patients that undergone systematic cells uh, plus minus parathyroid section. Uh, we had a median of two sentinel lymph node resected. And uh, we had 20.5% uh, of cases with positive sentinel lymph nodes with median of one positive sentinel lymph node. Uh, regarding the size of the sentinel lymph node metastasis, we had 3.5% uh, uh, of cases with ITC, with isolated tumor cells. 9.2% uh, had micrometastasis, and 7.7% uh, had macrometastasis. Uh, notably, uh, uh, 14 cases out of 29 cases that represents 48.3% uh, had medical metastasis detected only after the immunochemistry. Uh, and uh, in 72% uh, of patients, the sentinel lymph node was the only positive lymph node. Uh, furthermore, 27.6% uh, of, of cases had positive non lymph node, uh, non uh, sentinel lymph node metastasis. Uh, and uh, the only risk factor for positive non-sentinel lymph node metastasis was the size of the sentinel lymph node metastasis. Um, positive lymph node metastasis were detected in 15.4% of cases when the sentinel lymph node had micrometastasis, and in 54.5% uh, when the sentinel lymph node had macrometastasis. And uh, interestingly, no case with uh, ITC, no case with isolated tumor cells had positive non-sentinel lymph node. Uh, the non-sentinel lymph node positivity did not correlate to other factors, uh, such as number of positive sentinel lymph nodes, hybrid histologies, mm -hmm. non-endometrial histologies, neometrial invasion, uh, and others. And uh, the only factor was the size of the, the, the positive sentinel lymph node. Yeah, so th that that was uh, very interesting. So, just to to reiterate, fifty four percent when you had macrometastases had non sentinel lymph node positive, fifteen percent when you yeah. had micro had positive, but none yeah. when you had isolated tumor cells. Very interesting. Um, yeah. So now, um, the false negative rate. You might have mentioned this already. What what was your fourth false negative rate? In other words, a sentinel uh, lymph node that was negative and then a non-sentinel lymph node that was positive. Yeah, we, we have just two false negative uh, cases. Uh, one with uh, unilateral negative sentinel lymph node and a positive ipsilateral non-sentinel lymph node positive. And uh, one case with bilateral negative sentinel lymph node and uh, non-sentinel lymph node positive. Uh, 
this patient was excluded for the, this analysis, uh, but uh, we recorded an overall sensitivity of 93.5%, uh, a negative predictive value of 98.2%, a false negative rate of 6.4%, that's uh, 2 out of 31 patients, and uh, importantly, uh, a false negative uh, predictive value of 1.8%. So, Glauco, uh, before getting into some of the details of the discussion, um, I always like to ask the authors, what do you think are some of the strengths of this study and what are some of the weaknesses that you do recognize uh, in the study? Well, um, uh, a few studies address the risk factors for non-sentinel lymphoma metastasis based on size of sentinel lymphoma metastasis. And uh, our theory is uh, comparable uh, in size uh, with most of the recent studies on this topic. Uh, however, uh, although the sentinel lethal data uh, were prospectively collected, uh, the study uh, still may suffer from some biases from, uh, of, a, of a retrospective single situation design. And um, maybe this is uh, the, our weaknesses. And Glauco, you mentioned in the uh, discussion that there were other studies. I believe you mentioned three studies in particular that have looked at also the correlation of the size of the sentinel lymph node metastases with the non-sentinel lymph node metastases. Can you briefly tell us about what else is out there in the literature as it pertains to this uh, topic? Um. Yes, uh, only three studies have addressed this issue. Uh, the first is uh, was from Tohami and uh, Mahiplan group that evaluated a series of 268 patients who underwent lymph node mapping followed by, by uh, lymph node section, and they found 16% uh, of lymph node metastasis. Uh, 15 cases, uh, that is 34.8%, had non-lymph node metastasis and the size of lymph node metastasis was the only rich risk factor for non-sentinel lymph node metastasis. Uh, the risk uh, of positive non-sentinel lymph nodes metastasis uh, were uh, up to 2 millimeters, and uh, more than 2 millimeters were, was 5% and 60.8%, respectively. Mm -hmm. uh, notably, uh, near all cases had micromet, uh, and only one had ITC in this, in this paper. Mm -hmm. uh, more, moreover, uh, other colleagues from Italy uh, recently evaluated 141 uh, cases that had sentinel lymph nodes, uh, evaluated transoperatively trans uh, using a novel technique called OSNA, that is uh, one-step nucleate amplification state. And they found positive sentinel lymph nodes uh, during surgery in 17% uh, of cases. Uh, 22 cases had macro and two micro metastases, and uh, subsequently they they performed the full uh, lymph node section uh, in 14 cases, and non-sentinel lymph node metastases was were found in only two cases, all with macro met in sentinel lymph node. Mm -hmm. uh, despite a uh, uh, correlation existing between the size of sentinel lymph node metastases and the presence of non-sentinel lymph node metastases. Uh, the known uh, sentinel lymph node metastasis was observed in only two out of 22 micromets, mm -hmm. uh, in contrast to our study and other reports. And uh, uh, ultimately, uh, Kennedy collaborators, um, they published a series that included 400, uh, 14 patients, 
with uh, fentanyl lipomapi and the node section, they found a 31.5% of positive fentanyl lipomapi. Uh, and they had uh, non-fentanyl lipomapi metastasis in 28 out of 89%. Uh, they had uh, 8.3% of ICC, 33.3% of micro, and 56.3% of micromet. Uh, in case of ICCs, the presence of this perspective of non-sentinel lipomod. After pulling the data from these three studies and ours, uh, the risk of non-sentinel lipomod metastasis related to the size of sentinel lipomod metastasis would be 3.8%, only two cases for ICCs, uh, 20%. Uh, 0.9% for micro metastasis and 44.9% for macro metastasis. Mm, okay. So, still, I mean, very low rate of uh, non sentinel yeah. lymph node positive when you only have ITCs. Um, and now, yeah. Loco, with regards to therapy, I, I'm just interested in hearing your thoughts with regards to how you treat at AC Camargo a patient with endometrial cancer with. ITCs alone, or with micrometastases, and or with macrometastases. How how do you treat each of these categories? Oh, well, Pedro, uh, one of the main uncertainties in fentanyl lipomod mapping uh, refers to adjuvant treatment in low volume fentanyl lipomod metastasis, especially in ITC. Uh, in in uh, 2015, my and collaborators published an 11 paper where only 30% of ITC cases had chemotherapy, and they did not have any uh, recurrence in endometrial tumors with ITC. Uh, in our institution, we consider uh, foregoing uh, advanced uh, treatment only for endometrial grade 1 and 2 with ITC, and uh, uh, also in the absence of other adverse prognostic factors, such as lymphovascular space invasion and myometrial invasion. Uh, all other ICC cases and also patients uh, with micro and macro metastasis are considered as node positive and uh, further received in our center six cycles of carboplatin and paclitaxel followed by uh, radiation. I noticed that from your paper that you suggested that patients with positive sentinel lymph nodes were considered for going back to surgery. Um, is this the case in, in your institution? Um, that when you have positive sentinel lymph nodes, that you consider that a full lymphadenectomy is still required? Well, uh, going back to full node section uh, would be indicated just in theory for those surgeons uh, who are confident that node section has a therapeutic role in, in uh, microscopic metastasis. Uh, and uh, in our institution, we do not come back to full node section in case of uh, positive sentinel lymph nodes. Uh, we believe that uh, adjuvant treatment with chemotherapy and the radiotherapy uh, can be administered and uh, successfully uh, treat patients uh, with the remaining microscopic lymph node metastasis. So, Glauco, um, then this brings us to the question, is, is there a difference in outcomes between patients who only have sentinel lymph node mapping versus those who have a, a full lymphadenectomy. In, in other words, 
I find it interesting when we uh, discuss this topic in, in, in conferences and symposiums that there are those who feel that, particularly for high-risk patients, they don't feel comfortable just performing sentinel lymph nodes. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, so uh, there is growing evidence that supports sentinel lymph node mapping in the metro cancer uh, and uh, also for high-grade tumors. Uh, and this eventually becomes the center of care for staging. Um, our colleagues from Memorial Sloan Cancer have published their data on survival for serous and carcinosarcomas, staged uh, with uh, sentinel lymph node mapping and compared it to their historical cases when uh, they, uh, the patients had the food node section, and they did not find differences in survival. And uh, recently, uh, Memorial Sloan Catherine, uh, together with Mayo Clinic, put together the data to evaluate the uh, outcomes in patients with high-risk cases, uh, considered uh, a grade 3 endometrioid with deep myometrial invasion and all known endometrioid histologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, these patients uh, should have uh, non-booking positive lymph nodes with uh, two assessment approaches. Uh, the historical series from Mayo and the versus uh, the sentinel lymph node algorithm from Memorial mm-hmm. without node section. And they also found that uh, the sentinel lymph node algorithm did not uh, negatively impact survival. So uh, I think that uh, there is enough data to support sentinel lymph node mapping in endometrial cancer for staging purposes, uh, even for high-risk tumors. Um, however, uh, it's important to note that uh, most published studies are large uh, retrospective ones. Yeah. Yeah, in, in our institution as well, if we find bilateral sentinel lymph nodes, even in high-risk patients, we do not perform a, a lymphadenectomy. Um, so one, one of the findings that I think, you know, certainly is very interesting about studies, the fact that, you know, we often wonder, and sometimes patients will even ask, if, if the finding on the sentinel lymph node was only an isolated tumor cell, then do I really need any further treatment provided that the uterine risk factors do not call for further treatment? In other words, the patients might ask, if you only find that with isolated sentinel lymph nodes, you don't have any evidence of metastatic disease outside of that sentinel lymph nodes, and you already removed that sentinel lymph nodes, then, you know, why do we need to do anything else, in other words? So, so what, what do you think about that? Well, Pedro, it's a very interesting statement. Uh, I agree that uh, since all positive nodes were already removed, one possible impact uh, would be foregoing the pelt radiation, and depending on the other uh, uterine factors such as histologic type and grade, and myometric invasion or lipovascular space invasion, uh, the patient uh, would safely receive chemotherapy and vaginal breast therapy. And um, however, it's just uh, an hypothesis. Yeah, um, you mentioned a prospective randomized uh, trial called the ALICE trial. Um, what, what is that study for, for those who are not familiar? Yeah, um, thank you for asking. Uh, we've started uh, in Brazil a multi-center uh, prospective clinical trial called ALICE. Uh, our aim, our uh, aim is to determine the value of addition of systematic lymphadenectomy to sentinel lymph node 
uh, for high risk endometrial cancer. Uh, here, the hydrate histologies and our myometry patients. Uh, these patients uh, are being randomized in a, in a non-inferiority randomized controlled trial in two groups. Uh, the first group, the, the patients, uh, we received just the sentinel lymph node uh, mapping algorithm. And uh, the other group, the patients, uh, we received uh, uh, the sentinel lymph node mapping followed by, by systematic endonectomy. Uh, the randomization is, is, uh, is being done during the first infection. And uh, the primary outcome is uh, three years, uh, hepatitis survival, and we have secondary endpoints such as uh, overall survival, quality of life, and complications. And Glauco, has that study already uh, begun? Yeah, we started, we have started, but uh, now we just uh, have uh, 40, uh, 40 cases, uh, cool, with 40 cases. Uh, there's some 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 difficulties in the study because uh, we need the patients with uh, high-grade histologies, mm-hmm. uh, up to 75-year-old women, and also without uh, uterine uh, disease. And that uh, that has been a problem for us. Without extra uterine disease, you mean? Yeah, yeah. without extra uterine disease. Yeah. And how many patients total is the study aiming to accrue? Yeah, uh, we with the power of eighty percent, and uh, uh, we we are growing one hundred eighty patients. Okay, okay. So, Glauco, uh, coming to the end of our uh, discussion, one of the questions I, I like to ask is, how should the results from this study uh, impact what we do today with our patients? Well, uh, we want to confirm that uh, it's possible to forego systematic lymph node section for those high-risk tumors and to confirm uh, the sentinel lymph node mapping as the new standard of care, uh, even for uh, the high-risk patients. That's, that's our our uh, contribution. Yeah. And um, do you have any uh, closing remarks you'd like to uh, to make? Uh, well, I uh, think. Uh, 2014, the NCCN guidelines have recommended sentinel lymph node mapping as an alternative option for lymph node staging in endometrial cancer. And uh, one of the main benefits of sentinel lymph node mapping is increasing the lymph node positivity due to staging mm-hmm. and uh, decrease the morbidity related to full lymph node section. Uh, however, some issues have not been solved, such as uh, the risk factors for non-sentinel lymph node metastasis, uh, the, the role of systematic lymph node section in case of uh, positive sentinel lymph node patients, uh, the prognostic value of low, of, uh, low volume mm-hmm. uh, node metastasis and the, the ideal adjuvant treatment for this patient. And uh, I hope our study uh, contributes to the debate. Well, Glauco, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, discussing this very important study with, with us. And uh, again, thank you for your contributions. Thank you very much.